The Productive Woman, Episode 479. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'm going to share some ways we make life and productivity harder than they need to be. You'll find more information and links to some resources mentioned in the episode, all in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 479. So welcome back. I hope the year is off to a great start for you. Thank you so much for giving me the grace to take the month of January off to focus on some other things, to rest, to read, to think and pray and plan. And I am excited to be back in front of the microphone and looking forward to this year. One of the things that I've thought about a lot during this month, uh, this past month, is the ways we, or I, often make life harder than it needs to be. For me, that's often manifested in things like worrying about things that might or might not happen, or stewing over regrets from the past, and maybe putting off doing things that hang over my head and just create an aura of stress for me. The more I thought about this, the more I thought uh, I would share with you some of my thoughts on the topic. I also did some research on what others have had to say about it, and we'll share some links in the show notes in case you want some ideas for ways to eliminate things that you're doing that make your life and your productivity harder than they need to be. So let's just dig into it. The first one I've already mentioned, uh, the first one that came to my mind is procrastination. That is putting things off instead of getting them done. For me, the impact is pretty obvious. Putting things off until the last minute uh, gives us less time to do a good job. It increases the stress of whether we'll actually get it done in time and get it done correctly. And then there's just the, the mental weight of carrying it around in your head for much longer than the time it would take to actually just do it. For me, a lot of times the procrastination has to do with relatively small things that I need to get done, phone calls that I need to make, or, um, you know, just sending invoices for things uh, for, that I need to get paid for. Little things that really aren't that big a deal, but I, I put them off just because, for whatever reason. Um, but it's also true of important projects, uh, whether it's, you know, big things for work, big things for the home. Procrastination makes life much harder than it needs to be because we end up doing them, you know, under pressure to get them done in time. The solution, I guess, to procrastination is to develop those habits of planning ahead, allowing sufficient time for important projects so that you're not waiting until the last minute, so that you can do them thoughtfully and carefully and well. Uh, the same is true of those small tasks that I mentioned. And procrastination can also manifest itself in just not making a decision about whether you're going to do something. So 
developing those habits of making the decision either to do it, scheduling a time to do it and getting it done, or making the decision that I'm not going to do this thing, and then crossing it off the list and moving on, can relieve the pressure that's created by procrastination that will make your life much easier in both the short and long run. The second thing that we can do that makes our life harder than it needs to be is what I called accumulation, just getting stuff. Um, The impact of that is obvious. The more stuff we have, the harder we have to work and the more we have to spend to maintain that stuff, to keep it organized, to clean around it. All of these things have a direct impact on our productivity as it all takes time and resources that we can't use to do other things. So, for example, the more clothes we have or the more clothes our children have, the more laundry we have to do. It's pretty straightforward, basic correlation there. The more stuff we have on our counters, on our shelves, in our cupboards, the harder it is and the more time it takes to keep those counters, shelves, cupboards, and so on clean. And that's true both at... Uh, home, at the office, wherever we work, in our cars, anything. In addition, there is a broader impact of having a lot of stuff. People whose space is overcluttered, whether it's their home or their workspace, are also more distracted and have a harder time concentrating and making decisions. That has obvious impacts on our productivity and our quality of life, how we feel about our days. And then there's the mental and emotional load of clutter. There is a WebMD article that I read, and I will link to that in the show notes in case you want to check it out. It cites a study that I think I've mentioned before that has found that women who see their homes as cluttered produce consistently higher levels of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, while women who described their homes as well-organized and restful showed lower levels of cortisol. This is an impact that is not felt by men in these studies, that it is women who, who perceive their homes, their spaces as more cluttered, tend to produce more cortisol. They're more stressed. And people with chronically high cortisol levels can experience all sorts of physical and physiological symptoms like high blood pressure, insomnia, weight gain, fatigue, irritability, anxiety, headaches, and much more. So having more stuff, accumulating more stuff has an impact on our productivity, on our lives. It makes our lives harder than they need to be. It makes it harder to be as productive as we want to be. So what's the solution to that? Well, it's obviously to be more thoughtful and intentional about the things that we own. And there are lots of different ways that we can do this. We can institute the one in, one out rule or the one in or two or three out rule. Uh, The idea here being that each time you buy a new item, donate, sell, or trash one that you already own, or two or three if you're really trying to downsize. And I want to stop here to say, I'm not telling you you need to get rid of stuff. I'm just talking about this in the sense that if you are feeling the stress of having lots of stuff, if you feel like as you look at your life, 
all the things you've accumulated are making it harder to be productive and to enjoy your life, then consider making some changes, uh, being more thoughtful, more intentional about the things that you own, the things you acquire, the things you accumulate. So again, using this one in, one out rule, uh, doing little things like canceling subscriptions for publications that you don't read and apps you never use. All these things have a certain level of psychological weight on us and the things that we're not using that are out there, especially if we're paying for them, uh, create that psychological weight, maybe a sense of guilt that we're wasting money. Uh, so be thoughtful about that and cancel those things. Don't buy anything, don't bring anything into your home or your office unless you know exactly where you're going to put it. Having a place for everything that's in your home makes a big difference, and we'll talk about that more in just a minute. Cultivating that habit of having a place for everything and putting everything in its place can make a huge difference in our quality of life and our productivity. Maybe schedule regular times for purging certain types of possessions that you have. Um, maybe you purge clothes from your wardrobe at the change of season. When you're bringing out your, your summer clothes at the end of winter, uh, look at your winter clothes and think, all right, what did I not wear this season? Uh, maybe it's time to pass that along, uh, either to trash it if it's you didn't wear it because it's you know, got holes in it or stains on it or whatever, or if it's still in good condition, donating it somewhere or selling it. Maybe you can uh, make a habit of purging books when you finish reading them, when you get a new book. This one's hard for me. I like to keep books. I have a lot of books, but I've really been trying to be thoughtful about um when I finish reading a book, you know, that is a, a paperback or hardcover book rather than an electronic one, am I going to read this again? I recently finished reading a, um, a memoir that was very interesting. I enjoyed it, but I know I'm never going to read it again. So as soon as I finished reading it, I put it into my donation box that I have set aside out in our garage where I put things uh, when I come across them in the house and know that it's time to let them go. Uh, maybe for children's toys, you do a, a quick purge on their birthday or around the time of their birthday and Christmas when they're getting new things in is a great time to look at the things that you've collected or your child has collected with them if they're old enough to be a part of that process and, you know, just consider, are they still using this? Is it still age appropriate? Uh, is it being replaced with something better or something newer? And, and purge a few things. I think one of the things that parents do that really makes life harder than it needs to be is allowing a, a huge accumulation of toys and things for children. I'm, this isn't the purpose of this particular episode to kind of go into that, but I've read a number of articles from uh, childhood development experts who recommend having fewer but better quality toys for our children, things that are uh, are going to foster more creativity rather than sort of one-purpose toys that maybe are tied to some movie or cartoon or something, but having things that children can be creative with in better ways. 
that's a whole other thing that we can talk about maybe another time. But the fewer things that your children have, the uh, easier your life is going to be, and theirs as well, because they can enjoy what they have and not have the space completely cluttered up. But anyway, my point here is maybe around the times of their birthday and Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holidays you celebrate where they get new things is a great time to kind of take a quick look through the things they have and see whether there are some that can be tossed because they're broken or donated to a children's shelter or family shelter or or some charity shop. So the idea, though, is we're accumulating too much stuff, and nobody can tell you what too much is. This is another example of where I'm not telling you how much you should have and that you should get rid of things. I'm saying if you're feeling the stress of having too much, consider being more thoughtful and intentional about the things you have in your space and uh, purging and decluttering. A third area, it's kind of tied to the the second one, uh, uh, but a third thing that we do that can make our life harder than it needs to be is just general disorganization. Now, it's easier to be more organized when we have less stuff, but regardless, if whatever we have doesn't have a designated place, we become disorganized, and the impact of that is lost time, energy, and attention, which are the three most important productivity resources, I believe, uh, in trying to find the things we need when we need them or in having to work around disorganized uh, materials. The solution to this one is obvious. Once you have decluttered your spaces to your satisfaction, make sure every item left in your space has a designated place and is always put there when it's not in use. Doing that, creating those habits, and it comes maybe more easily for some of us than others. I get that. But we can, it is a habit we can cultivate to designate a spot for each item that we possess and and always putting it back there when we're not using it. So whether it's a book or dishes or tools or clothes or, um, you know, anything else in your home, having a place where it belongs and always putting it there can make a huge difference in your productivity and in your general quality of life. A fourth thing we do that makes life harder than it needs to be is trying to do it all yourself. Um, it's really easy for those of us who care about productivity, who maybe tend to be a little bit overachiever types, to buy into the idea that the only way to get something done right is to do it yourself. And this is true at home. Uh, it's true in our work in general. I think a lot of us as women tend to feel that way. And there might be some truth to that if you're the one with the skill and expertise or and or the one who actually cares about how something is done. But if we apply that to every task at home, at the office, in our, you know, community activities or whatever, then we're taking on a really, really heavy load if we're going to do everything because that's the only way to make sure it gets done and gets done on time and gets done right. 
And that's okay if you're happy with your workload, if you're happy doing all the things yourself. But if you find yourself feeling stressed and resentful, uh, maybe it's time to share the load. Maybe it's time to uh, think about all the things you're doing and whether somebody else might not be able to do it. Maybe they won't do it the way you would, but maybe everything doesn't have to be done the way we think it should be done, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, in addition, if at home you are doing everything yourself, uh, for whatever reason, um, and you have children, then you're not teaching them some life skills that they're going to need. Things like managing their time, doing tasks well, how to do basic household tasks, uh, taking responsibility for their own belongings, for instance. All those things are things we need to teach our children before they leave our home and go out on their own. Children who uh, you know, show up in at college or in their first apartment and don't know how to do a load of laundry or how to load the dishwasher or how to keep a room tidy or any of those sorts of things are going to have a harder time in life themselves. And so while you're making life, in a sense, harder for yourself by doing all those things now, in a way, you could be seen to be making life harder for your children when they get out on their own. I guess that's maybe one way to look at it. Uh, but this idea of needing to do it yourself so that it gets done right is often tied to tendencies toward perfectionism, which I believe is the enemy of true productivity. When we think everything has to be done perfectly, um, either we're going to spend way too much time doing everything and trying to make everything perfect, or things are not going to get done. We're not going to start at all because of that fear that we're not going to do it right, whatever that might be. So trying to do all the things yourself all the time is definitely going to make your life harder than it needs to be. In any given day, there are things that we are doing that somebody else could do. Again, they might not do it the way we would do it, uh, when my husband washes the dishes, he does it differently than I do when he loads the dishwasher or when he runs the vacuum or when there are certain things around the house. But I can choose to let him do it his way so that it's getting done and I didn't have to do it, if that makes sense. So the solution to this uh, this thing that we do that makes life and productivity harder is simply to share the load. And I say simply it is simple. It is straightforward. It's not easy for a lot of us for various reasons. But in your workplace, if you have an assistant or others you can delegate to, learn to do that. Figure out of all the things you're spending your time and energy and attention are, what truly are the things only you can do because they require your specific skill and expertise and knowledge and which things other people could do, even if they didn't do them exactly the way you would. So learn to do that. Teach your children how to do things in the home and give them responsibility. I think of my oldest daughter, Rachel, who has her teen daughters do their own laundry. 
she doesn't do it. It's their responsibility to wash and dry and fold their own clothes. And, I, you know, I, I, when I first saw that she was doing that, I thought, oh, I don't know what I think about that. Uh, because I prefer to do the laundry myself. I have my system for doing it. But she's, you know, a busy mom of four daughters and is teaching school and doing all the things that she's doing. And so this was a decision she made for sharing the load so she's not doing everything. Uh, kids can learn to clean their bathrooms, to run a vacuum. They can even learn to cook as they get older. So teaching your kids to do these things both helps lighten your load, but also prepare them for life outside your home. Similarly, talk to your spouse or your roommate about a fair and equitable division of tasks and get everybody involved, whether it's at home, at work, wherever it might be. Sharing the load is a solution that we can develop over time. Back when I was younger and all five of our kids were at home, uh, we'd often have a chore day on a Saturday uh, to get the house done. Now, I could have spent the whole Saturday cleaning house and getting things done, but I chose not to. And so what I would do is I would make a list of every task that needed to be done to get the house in order. And then I would let the kids and me, I, I was part of this process, each take turns choosing items off the list and putting their initials beside each item. I would, you know, have them pick a number between 1 and 12 or something to decide who goes first, etc. But we would go through that process, taking turns, choosing items off the list until everything on the list had somebody's initial past it. And then we'd all go to work with each person doing the tasks they had chosen in whatever order they wanted to do them in and crossing them off their the list as they completed it. It was uh, something we did. We didn't do it every week, but when there were a lot of things that needed to be done to get the house in order on a given week, this was the system we used, and everybody knew how to uh, how it worked, and we would all work together and get things done so we could move on with the weekend. So the idea, I guess, again, is rather than trying to do it all yourself, which creates a heavy load and makes life harder than it needs to be, learning to share that load and finding different ways to do that can make a huge difference in the, your productivity and your quality of life. The fifth thing we do that definitely makes life and productivity harder than they need to be is comparison. And we've talked about this before. Comparison, it has been said, is the thief of joy. The problem with comparison is we look at somebody else and think we come up lacking in whether it's their home, their accomplishments, whatever it might be. And, and it's never going to be helpful to do this. First of all, we are, as I've said before, comparing our insides to someone else's outsides, and that's never going to turn out well. It makes it harder to enjoy our life or feel good about who we are. So the solution is to keep an eye on our thoughts and catch ourselves when we are comparing anything about ourselves to someone else, whether it's someone we know or someone you know we've seen out in the world. When you find yourself comparing yourself or your life or your accomplishments or whatever to someone else, just pause 
Remind yourself that you don't see the whole picture in somebody else's life, no matter how well you know them. I think it's important we can learn from others, we can get ideas from other people, but comparison is never helpful, it is never healthy, and it makes life harder than it needs to be if we are constantly measuring ourselves against someone else and feeling that we're coming up short. Similarly, something we do that makes life harder than it needs to be is just unrealistic expectations, either of ourselves or of other people. The impact of this is pretty obvious, I think. We work ourselves harder or and or feel badly about ourselves because we are not living up to our expectations of ourselves or if it's other people who are, you know, we've set unrealistic expectations for, we find ourselves distracted by frustration and resentment because they don't measure up to those expectations that we probably have never expressed to them. And so the solution here is, like so many other things, awareness and intentionality. When we are feeling frustrated, resentful, uh, feeling bad about ourselves, thinking we don't measure up, we're not doing what we should have done, stop for a moment and evaluate the things you're expecting of yourself in light of your current circumstances. What I can do now as an empty nester professional woman in my 60s is very different from what I could do when I was a much younger stay-at-home mom with five young kids. There are things I could do then that I can't do now. There are other things that I can do now that I couldn't do then because of the circumstances. What you can accomplish when you are ill or recovering from surgery or childbirth is very different from what you can do when you're at the peak of health. So thinking realistically about the, the situation you're in, the time of life that you're in, the circumstances you're dealing with, uh, and evaluating what you expect of yourself in light of those circumstances, of what's current, what's what's today, what's real in your life today, can make a huge difference in how you're feeling about your life and how productive you're able to be and getting the things done that are important and that are possible today. Similarly, when we're talking about unrealistic expectations of others, Evaluate those. Evaluate what you expect of other people. Realize that everybody we know has one, you know, fatal flaw in that they can't read your mind. They don't know what you expect of them if you've never communicated it to them. And so establishing good communication with the people who are important in your life and being realistic about what you expect of them. We can't control anybody else. We can't change anybody else. The only thing we have control over is how we think and feel about whatever somebody else is doing. And so if we focus our attention on that and being more realistic and, and I guess, fair about our expectations of other people, we're going to enjoy our life more. Life is going to be easier than if we're fighting against reality all the time in, in the expectations we have of ourselves and other people.
Number seven of the things that we do that makes life harder than it needs to be is what I call unexamined assumptions. We often act or react based on assumptions that might or might not be true. And we often don't even recognize that those assumptions are there, much less examine the truth of them. And that's uh, unexamined assumptions as a sort of problem, if you want to call it that, runs across the spectrum. We maybe assume when somebody else does something that it's about us, and maybe it's not. You know, somebody does something that we think was intended as a, a slam against us or a reaction to us, when maybe it is it wasn't at all. Um, we also take action or do certain things in our life based on often unexamined assumptions about how the world works or how it should work. And so maybe we assume we're doing certain things, we're working a certain amount or uh, trying to accomplish certain things because we, we feel that we need to do or be or have some certain thing. Uh, we maybe fill up our, our life with kids' activities or buying things for our kids because we think they need to do or be or have you know, certain things in order to be happy or to achieve their full potential in the world. And those are all assumptions that we have in the back of our mind that are created by our upbringing, by our surroundings, by the people we spend time with, the, the social media that we indulge in, uh, all of those things. And often we don't even recognize that those assumptions are there and that they are driving our our choices and our behavior and our striving to to do or be certain things. And the impact of that is often dissatisfaction and stress because we are trying to be or do or have too much, more than we can accommodate happily and peacefully. So for me, the solution to this one is to, again, be aware and then intentional. When we find ourselves feeling tired, stressed, or overwhelmed because there are so many things we need to be doing, we can pause to ask ourselves, what is the assumption behind that belief that I need this thing, or my child needs to be involved in this activity and that activity, and or needs to, you know, I need to buy them this thing. Why? What is the assumption behind that? Why do I think that? And and is it true? I I think this is a great place to ask ourselves the questions that Byron Katie proposes as part of the work, which I've mentioned, I think, in the past. Uh, she has four questions, and I'll link to her website where she talks about this because there's more explanation of how this works, and it's really a useful tool. Whenever you, you're examining a thought, in this case an assumption about something we need to do or have or be or something our kids need to do or have or be, uh, we, we isolate that assumption, that thought, and we ask ourselves four questions. And these are the four questions she recommends as, as what she calls it, the work. First of all, is it true? 
So, you know, whatever the thought, my, my child needs to uh, be involved in this activity in order to, you know, achieve the, her potential in, in, as she grows older. Is that true? Could she still achieve her potential in life and be happy in life if she didn't participate in this activity? I'm just using that as an example. Second question is, can I absolutely know it's true? Somebody has said in applying this question, could you prove it in a court of law is a way of asking that. Do we know for a fact that this is true? The third question is, what happens when I believe it? What do I do? Do I, you know, take on extra work to pay for the thing? Do I fill up my schedule and hers with all these activities? What, what happens when I believe this thought or this assumption? And the fourth question is, who would I be without it, without that thought or that assumption? And the purpose of these questions is just to pause for a moment, to become aware of what you're thinking that's, that is driving your actions, and then to evaluate, do I like the answers? There, nobody can answer that for you. It's really a question of how you feel as you think through these questions. Do you like the answers you come up with? If so, great. But if not then what could you change? And that, that's part of the rest of the work that Byron Katie talks about. But starting with these questions, I think, can be really helpful because unexamined assumptions, assumptions we're not even aware are driving our behavior, really can make life harder than it needs to be. The eighth thing we do that makes life harder and productivity harder is overcommitment, saying yes too often. And the impact of this is exhaustion if you don't have enough time for rest. It's stress and resentment if your time is so full of commitments that you're not enthusiastic about that you don't have time for the things that you really want to be doing with your time. And so the solution here is <laughs> learning the skill of saying no as a complete sentence and being okay with it, uh, to, to being more thoughtful and intentional about the activities and, and commitments that we take on. Uh, some people that I read suggested trying to use, I'll get back to you about that. Instead of saying yes or even maybe, say thank you for that invitation or for that suggestion or for that offer or whatever it might be. I, I'll get back to you about that. Maybe it's, I need to check my calendar and, and give it some thought and I'll get back to you. And then take time to think about whether this opportunity or this commitment is something that aligns with your priorities and your values right now at this time in your life. The other thing we can do to help avoid overcommitment. And by that, I mean filling our schedule up with lots of things that maybe are not as meaningful to us so that we don't have time for or energy for the things that really do have meaning for us. And so one way to deal with that is to schedule those important things first. 
be very intentional and purposeful with your calendar and schedule time for those key appointments or time with your loved ones, time for that project of your heart that keeps getting put off, or just time off. Get those things on your calendar, write them in or type them in if you use a digital calendar so that you can honestly say when someone asks you to do something, you know, I have a conflict at that time, so I won't be able to do that. And, you know, if it's something you really do want to say yes to, then you can offer an alternative time instead of moving around the things that you've already scheduled in because they are the most important things. So whether that's, you know, scheduling your doctor appointments, the things that we often, you know, put off and don't do, or workout time that that is important to you because you want to work on your health, or, you know, writing your novels, the time you've scheduled in to actually write that, or a date night with your spouse, or one-on-one time with your children, whatever it might be, schedule those things in first. And then when someone offers you another opportunity or asks you to take on a commitment, you can look at your calendar and say, okay, I can't do it at the time you've proposed, but I could do it the following week on Thursday or whatever it might be. Or just say no because you want to leave white space in your calendar and you don't want to fill things in. Overcommitting our time and our energy and our attention makes life so much harder than it needs to be when we collapse at the end of the day or the end of the week and and have nothing left to give to those things that really matter to us. We We have made life less enjoyable and harder than it needs to be. The ninth thing that we do that makes life harder than it needs to be is what I would call oversaturation or information overload. Uh, we, we live in a time when there is just so much coming at us all the time from all different directions. And we, we suffer, many of us, from FOMO, fear of missing out. And so we feel like we've got to always be checking all of these, you know, the social media outlets and the news and all the different things that are coming at us. Plus, those things are often addictive by design. And the impact of this, of taking in just too much information all the time through TV, social media, and so on, it leads to distraction, to stress, to anxiety. It makes it harder to concentrate, which makes it harder for us to do that deep work that accomplishes things that are important to us. More time spent consuming information makes less time available for creating or for accomplishing other things that are important to us or for investing in relationships. So the solution here is to be more intentional about what we take in and when we do it. So first of all, choose information sources that leave you feeling informed and calm and hopeful rather than stressed and anxious limit exposure to negative inputs, whether it's social media, television channels, even people to some extent when we can. Set limits around our consumption of input, of information. Maybe we only watch TV certain times each day. Maybe we only check social media, you know, 
10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening or only on the weekends or something. We limit um, the amounts of time we spend on those things, instead creating space and time in our life for creative pursuits, whatever those might be, or the relationships that matter to us. The 10th thing we do that makes life harder and productivity harder than they need to be is using inadequate tools whatever those might be. The impact obviously is that no matter what the task, if our tools are inadequate, the task will be much, much harder than it needs to be. It will take longer, et cetera. So whatever our tools are, and I use that that term broadly to include anything we use to accomplish the, the, the tasks and the projects that are important to us, make sure we're using the best tools we can. So sharpen those knives if if you're cooking. Uh, upgrade your computer if your work is done on a computer. Get the right apps that do what you need them to do. Educate yourself because the most important tool we have is our own mind, right? So whatever you're doing, try to make sure the tools that you're using, including your own mind, are in the best possible condition and well-suited to the task. And finally, the 11th thing we do that makes life and productivity harder than they need to be is neglecting our own health and well-being. Life feels harder when we don't feel well. And it objectively is harder to show up as our best, our most positive, our most productive self if we are not physically, mentally, emotionally healthy. I like how one writer puts it. Um, the, in an article, which I will link in the show notes. Sure, chocolate bars are tasty and everyone enjoys a late night out once in a while. But if you regularly ignore the basic health advice you've doubtlessly heard a thousand times by eating junk, sleeping a crazy schedule, or skipping exercise entirely, you are going to feel like crap. And then, yes, life will feel harder than it has to be. And that is absolutely true. If we don't take care of our mental, physical, and emotional health and well-being, life will be harder. It will be harder to accomplish the things that we want to do and to make a life that matters. The solution here, of course, to cultivate habits to support your health, your stamina, your general well-being. Things like choosing healthier foods most of the time, creating a good sleep routine, moving our body regularly, making time for rest and restorative activities. Now, don't add to this, to, to your life, the pressure to be perfect in this. None of this has to be all or nothing. Anything is better than nothing. So the fact that you had a bowl of ice cream one night doesn't have to negate the fact that most of the time you're eating healthier things. You're taking care of your, your body, your mind, your spirit, so that you can show up in the best and most productive way and life will seem easier. Productivity will seem easier. So those are 11 or so ways that I thought of over the last month that you and I can do um, to make life harder than it needs to be to create meaningfully productive lives. Now, to be clear, 
I'm not saying you need to change these or anything in your own life. If what you're doing works for you and you're satisfied with your own life and your productivity, then keep doing what you're doing. That's the point is that nothing is is going to be the same for everybody. We all need to look at our own life and situation. And if you are feeling stressed or anxious, dissatisfied with what you're doing with your days, uh, any of those things, in any one or more of these areas, then maybe it would be worth choosing one of them to spend some time and thought on to make life a little easier uh, or at least not make it harder than it needs to be. I'd love to know what you think. What did I miss? Is there another way that you see yourself or others making life harder than it needs to be? And what would be your suggestions for a solution? You can share those in the comment section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 479, which is also where you'll find links to some other resources you could check out on this topic. Uh, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'd love to hear from you. I am so glad to be back after my month off uh, and I hope that you're back as well. If you enjoy this episode or any others that we've put out, uh, please help spread the word, help grow the community, tell a friend about the episode or about the podcast in general. Uh, you can share any particular episode by using the social sharing buttons that appear at the top of the show notes for each episode. And maybe consider leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to this podcast. In the meantime, that's it for this episode. I appreciate you being here and, for, and thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was time well spent and that you found something that helps you out. I look forward to talking with you again soon and throughout the coming year. So until next time, remember... Extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Mm -hmm.